Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, everybody. I'm Vanya. And I'm Avrin. And this is Rom Crime. This is our true crime comedy podcast that investigates the question, is crime ever romantic? We talk killer couples, love triangles gone amok, and true crime where the most dangerous perp is love. Because love hurts. And sometimes it kills. So, Av, I have a question. Have you ever been a part of a love triangle? Um, that's like, it's so hard to, okay, I guess yes is really the honest answer. Um, not an intentional love triangle, um, and not one that was like a long drawn out love triangle, but I guess I'm like embarrassed. I don't know why I'm embarrassed to admit this because, you know, (laughs) everything was on the up and up very quickly, but my husband actually had a girlfriend (gasps) when we first started, we weren't doing anything, but we first started hanging out and it was kind of clear that we liked each other. I waited until he like was no longer with his girlfriend before, you know, we like became anything. But I guess technically I was aware that I was like, you can totally give her Das Boot and I will take over. (laughs) But um, but as far as as far as, you know, like just actively being the other woman, I've never done that. Good for you. um, In in, in the knowledge that I have that I possess. So I I never knowingly did it. What about you? I've only done it. And it's pretty much um, it was just between my uh, dogs growing up because I feel like there was definitely a love triangle and one of them was jealous and the other one was like and then they would just play with each other all the time. So it was like a real true triangle. But I love them both (laughs) equally. No, I didn't. I haven't really either. Like, you know, I'm such a dork. We got married so stinking young. That like, I don't have a lot of experience, but God dang it, I have a lot of life experience just in other things. Yeah, with your awesome husband, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, but no, I was just like, because we're talking about love triangles today and actually one that's, you know, a very, obviously everything we talk about ends in, you know, sadness. Tragedy. Tragedy. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just thought it'd be an interesting starter out there. Hey guys, DM us. I want to know about your love triangle. I'm I'm glad you're alive still, basically. (laughs) Yeah, you were in. Let us know if if you were in a love triangle that turned criminal. Yeah, love to hear that. I mean, I know I would personally because I'm such a nosy, nosy Nelly. Well, it's fascinating. What happened? Tell me everything. No love triangles. I think um, are often uh, scenarios that can turn into these rom crime stories that we tell. Because anytime you you take you know, three people who, you know, two of them are interested in the same person and that one person mm-hmm. is then with both of them. And then you got those two competitors and yeah. competition brings out, you know, sometimes the worst in people. Do you know which one haunts me hmm. is uh, that story where the young cousin fell in love with her cousin's husband and then killed the kids. <gasps> that one yes. haunts me because that's like a love triangle. And then that's like, uh, it's just like, just so sad. That woman's staying in prison forever. I can't remember her name and I'm sorry I, I didn't do that. I, I just come exactly to my head, what, but that one haunted yeah. me. That one was horrible. I feel like that was the one that we called 999 years isn't enough. That's which right. was her sentence yeah. for the crime. I don't remember her name, but that was horrifying. And yeah. what I always think about when I think of love triangles since starting this journey with you is I think about that poor lady who jumped out of an airplane and her love triangle rival had oh. cut her parachute and her emergency <laughs> shoot. Oh my god! And um, and she plummeted to her death, and like 
just the awareness that you would have, like when everything failed of like, not that it lasted long, because I'm sure you come down pretty fast. But (laughs) I just imagine like that's one of those scenarios that is, you know, that's like something you don't think would ever actually happen in real life. But it did. I know. And I only I laugh because it makes I me nervous. That is, oh, it makes me nervous too. I mean, jumping out of a plane in general makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah. So the idea that I will never do it when when in a love triangle. No. I think we actually said that when we did the episode. Right. Like, if you're in a love triangle, don't do any daredevil things. No, 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 no. Scary stuff. Um, so today, you guys, I am so excited. And I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure how we came upon this woman. But we found, because we wanted to find some female power... I don't I don't even know if that was our impetus, but we were just like, okay, we stumbled upon this really badass lady and her name is Maria Elena Salinas and she has her own show on ID Discovery, which can I ask a dumb question? Is of it is it ID Discovery or is it should it be Identity Discovery? I think, <laughs> I think like before it became part of like Discovery Plus or whatever, <gasps> which is all of the Discovery channels. It was just the ID channel, which is investigation or investigative discovery or something like that. Uh-huh. So technically saying ID discovery is redundant. Okay, thank but- you. Okay, then I'm not dumb. I really, I was like, I was feeling so, so dumb saying it ID discovery, but it comes out of my mouth just like that. Anyways, we found something <laughs> on ID discovery. An ID. Yes. Well, I think the way we found it was we were like, what kind of story do we want to do? And I said to you, well, we haven't done a love triangle you did. in a while. She did. It's true. And then you came back with this story that we're going to tell, which introduced both of us to Maria Elena. Salinas. And um, I'm obsessed <sighs> with her. So we. So this um, episode is from season two, and it's, it, it's actually the finale. It's um, called Fatal Love Triangle. But before we get into the episode, I have to, because mm-hmm. I did a little research on um, Maria, Maria Elena, because that's her first name. Um, yes. So she uh, she's an American broadcast journalist. She's also a news anchor and author. And she's been called the voice of Hispanic America by the New York Times. So she's also one of the most recognized uh, Hispanic female journalists in the United States. And she was the co-anchor of Noticeria Univision. And she is also, an, I guess, an investigative journalist, which I think is super okay. cool. She has interviewed tons of presidents, rebel leaders and dictators. And she was one of the first female journalists in wartime Baghdad. Holy shit. So she was like, she she's was 66. there with my father-in-law. Oh, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they know, I know each that, other. I, I know. I'm going to have to ask him now because I know that my father-in-law um, was in Baghdad as a journalist. Wow. I believe in the 90s. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And both with it, both with Hispanic roots there. So Right. That's true. And, and she also yeah. participated in the bilingual National Democratic presidential candidate debate on Hispanic uh, like issues. I think it was like in 2004 and again in 2007. And she also co-hosted. I just think this is interesting. She also co-hosted the first Democratic and Republican presidential candidate forums in Spanish, in Univision on the network. So oh, wow. she's just like a rad person. She's got tons of, she's got like a Walter Cronkite award. I think, I'm just putting, pointing this out because I think when sometimes we watch ID Discovery, some of those shows, you're like, what, Most who is this person? Shows, you know? Yeah, are like, or, and they're also just, they're so cheesy in their formulas. Yeah. But there are some, there are some gems on there and I am so grateful that I think you've introduced we found one. me. To this one, yeah, and she so she, her parents immigrated from this uh, from Mexico, but she was born here. And okay, so one more fun fact about her before we get into this: mm-hmm. um, she wrote a book. It's an autobiography called "Yo Soy La Hija de Mi Padre," which means I am my father's daughter. But it covers her discovery that her father was once a Catholic priest. What? Mm. Okay, now we can talk about Ooh. the actual show. But I was just like, so that's oh. our. That's our book recommendation then. I'm going to look into that book. I bet it's well, That would be so bizarre if you're like, turns out my dad was a priest until he wasn't. I know. Here. <laughs> I mean, probably turns out my dad was a priest until my mom's hot body lured him away from That's the Christ. Right. I'm kidding. I don't know. I'm sure it's a calling. And maybe he was like, I just, this is not right for me. And right. I, I, I don't love, know. I like that lady over there too much. Yeah. Though. I would like to make a family <laughs> with her. I like to get biblical with her. Okay. I'm so That's sorry. Right. I'm sorry. That was bad. That was dumb. <laughs> Okay, so back to our episode that we're covering. It's called Fatal Love Triangle. This is true crime. This truly happened. And I honestly, I guess I can believe it, but I'm also, well, we'll get there. So from the top of the show, family and friends, and you know how you hear like different snippets of things, but family and friends are like, they they are convinced they know who did it. 
this love. Mm -hmm. Like we know someone was killed in a love triangle. And the first thing you hear is a 911 call. And I, God, I love a 911 call. I'm like, I don't know uh, I mean, if this is an actor <laughs> or if it's an actor. I mean, not, if that was the real 911 call, that was, I'm guessing it was like a 15 year old girl. Mm -hmm. Just like the way she was like, um, I think I found a dead body. No, for real. Was like, she was like, like there's um, no panic. No, no, no panic. And then I love the, I mean, I love, but the way she was like, um, it's a woman and there's like blood hanging out of her head. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, they find out it's on the out, on a dirt road, like on the outskirts of a town called Amarillo, Texas. Oh, I forgot to mention because at this point we see Maria Elena, and dear God, you guys, just 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 look her up. Her makeup is so fantastic. It reminds me, my mom has always been a person who like loves makeup, but she so she, she she's got like a bold, just a bold. 90s 80s eye almost and it's you know she mm -hmm. it was only a couple years ago or whatever that this was filmed she has this like dark it's like a violet blue like what, what's the inner line the wet line the wet line yeah. she is just killing it with some very bold choices in makeup but i i support it so just oh yeah she looks fabulous she's, she's got rad. like she's rocking like the really smoky smoky eye and the matte <laughs> lip yes. and the really like news anchory kind of blowout bob totally and like she looks like you need to take her serious and we're gonna learn that's as we exactly go through this. That you say. do yeah that i was like do. she does not that, i swear to god you're right her hair she is dressed i mean that bitch has been in baghdad like she yeah. knows how to you know mm -hmm. so okay sorry <laughs> sorry i digress no, again I, lo I love it I you love might it. need to rein me back here Av. okay <laughs> so we meet randall county criminal district attorney James Farron and he's just and we're gonna call him dumb dumb DA yeah we are he's a DA he's a dumb dumb DA or at least I'm going to I guess no. I don't have to force you to change your you notes can, I, I, all my notes he's called dumb dumb DA I just mentioned because I'm um vain that he's like an old he's super old man and he's got that thing when old people get like sort of like around their eyes it gets whiter and I'm just jealous of that because I have such dark circles when I get old I'm just gonna look so I mean like I don't know. I'm going to be like Frankenstein. And he's just got his like, he's looking younger. I hate him. So dumb, dumb <laughs> DA. And yes. he's, he says that the body was found and it appeared to be a homicide by blunt force trauma to the head. And that's all he mentioned so far. And then we meet the parents of the woman who's been murdered because that's what happened. Um, Jackie Bledsoe. And my God, I just, these, the mom and dad, and I think the dad is Steve. They're just characters. And, there and the but the other thing about this is this is not like a salacious new you know reality type show it's like maria elena is really asking them you know who was your daughter all these things so but first off they talk about she, robin didn't show up for the night before and didn't take her two kids to school her her two daughters and they were like that is that so they called the police cuz they're like that's not like her she she's right. never done that she wouldn't do that so they had already reported her missing yeah in that morning. And um, the dad, Steve, said he immediately was worrying that something was wrong because, she, again, she just wouldn't do that. And, and as you, like, sort of meet different friends throughout this, everyone only says, I, I mean, they're talking about the dead person, but and it's, again, the light up the room thing, but mm -hmm. she was apparently just the nicest person in the world. So, I don't know. And then the police officers got a call got a call and told Jackie and Steve that a detective would be coming to the house. So the police officers are there. Talk, she's, they're talking about the missing person. And it's like the air in the room got sucked out because they got a call right. of a dead person. They had found a body. Yeah. And then they tell the parents, a detective will be coming over. Just sit tight. And then this is where I kind of like laughed a little at Maria because she goes, a detective, what does that say to you? She has that to the mom, and the mom's like, well, it scared the dickens out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no kidding. Oh, my God, I'd die. Oh, my gosh. And then you see Detective Ellen Mangle, and he gives them the news that Robin has been murdered. And the dad's like, seriously, who would want to do this? And it fi you find out that it's actually not just a blunt force trauma, but it's also there was a gunshot to her head. So it was a little, little mixture of both. That little 15-year-old didn't look close enough. Um mm -hmm. And then we meet Alicia Osborne, the best friend of Robin uh, Spielbauer. Is that how we? Uh huh. Robin uh, Spielbauer. Yeah, and she's so broken up, and she's like, she's my best friend, and I love her. I dropped to my knees and felt the worst pain of my life. I felt so alone. And I mean, I if my best friend died, I would feel the same way. 
Oh my gosh, I know. And especially in that manner, you know, when you're yeah. trying to comprehend because how how your best friend has been murdered. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah, they met as working as, at a restaurant together and she was, um, Robin was a waitress and yeah, they just, oh, 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 this is what another friend said. He says, if you didn't like Robin, then something was wrong with you. So in 2003, Robin starts dating this guy, JD Spielberger, Spielbauer, sorry. Her parents Spielberger. say, Spielberger, <laughs> am I hungry? I'm just kidding. I actually kind of am. No, I did have a chopstick though before this just to get my energy oh, up. Oh, good. Yeah. I had a banana. Yeah. Because, yeah. you just know, like something. I'm here to perform. So, no, I'm, well, I mean, I was going to say you I'm don't kidding. don't want that low blood sugar. Exactly. I would just be like, her parents said he was polite and kind of whatever you wanted. No, but that's what they did say. He said they was I think very telling when they described him as polite and that he could be whoever you needed him to be. Yeah. Because isn't that like red flag warning? This is a sociopath yes. who isn't really anyone but knows how to adapt God. to fit in. Mm -hmm. That Sorry. is fast. You go on. I'm no. jumping the gun. But I'll I'm always jump episode, in. That is really this interesting. Just drove me bonkers. <laughs> I was like, why are you all so stupid? Well, I'm time. thinking to the pa <laughs> my past and meeting other people, and I definitely. I know I've met a couple sociopaths. Maybe they're not like murderers, but oh yeah, not no, saying he's the murderer, but be. you know, that's true. I found a, there's a book on Amazon that was like, so you're, so you're, so you think you're a sociopath? Ways of dealing. I'm like, wow, that well, good. There's a book for everything, and hey, there you go. So, um, so she, you know, they get married, they have two kids, and you know, that's when the trouble starts. But also the best friend is kind of like, yeah, he's no matter where what happened, if they were out and together, he was always putting her down and talking shit about her. And I honestly, I've known people where, you know, couples will do that kind of even to be funny. And you're just like, you're making me uncomfortable. Like, please don't no. put down the no, other person. Please. Please don't talk shit on your wife in front of me. I know. You know? I'm like, it's you not know she's funny. Sitting here. Yeah. Right. Some people think that that's like funny, I guess. But I'm like, no, she's your queen, you know, that's or right. whatever. Fuck Treat off. her with respect. So Bella. he's apparently super verbally abusive and everybody knows it. Um, and big, big, you know, whammy. Philanderer. He's, yeah. He's a cheater. And she hears it but she ignores it robin you know and eventually he's drawn to this woman named katie phipps who's a redhead and apparently she was a spitfire she was just like and um robin's best friend was like i knew her in high school she was the same as she was then just a troublemaker like to you know sneak out kind of gal whatever wild child yeah. yeah um and then after eight years of marriage robin decides she's had enough and she moves herself and her two daughters back in with her parents because, you know, save money and stuff. Yeah, yeah. JD and Robin get divorced and only one month later, he marries Katie. Huh? Like kind of wild, mm -mm. but okay. I mean, I guess. Mm -mm. And Katie and Robin did not like each other at all. And Why? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. It's like he was cheating on her for who you know, like for years or something, we don't really, they don't really say, but it was a, a long time and then immediately on to the next. And I know people do that, but still, but of course we've got the two girls. So, you know, they're sharing custody. So they're going over. Mm -hmm. So, but by the way, he moves like two doors down of, of, of Robin's parents. So they live like just a couple block, couple doors down. Which in and of itself to me, I was like, that is so fucked up. Like yeah. if you leave your wife for your mistress, remarry your mistress within a month of your divorce mm -mm. and then you have the audacity to purchase a home two doors down from where your wife's ex-wife's now parents live just like i don't know like what stick it in her face like yeah. oh bad people bad bad i bad know people. i mean i in my mind like uh if i was to ever unconscious unconscious no <laughs> consciously uncouple from my husband i think you know if, if there was like if we lived really close and we still liked each other that would be rad but not sure, in this case. But if not you don't like each other, case, I know. And yeah, and you've done real mean, wrong things. Yeah. To the woman who had to move back in with her parents, and then yeah. I don't know. It just felt very like we're gonna stick this to her, even exactly. though there was no reason to do that. Exactly. Um, then an altercation happens. Robin and Katie. So Robin comes over to pick up her two girls from the house, and 
She wants to go. Okay, so here's a weird thing. She wants to go upstairs and get them, which I'm like, just have them come downstairs. I don't want to go in my ex's house, but whatever. She wanted to go pick them up, get them. Who knows what the logistics were, but Katie jumped her and they start like tackle, like, you know, wrestling. They're wrestling. And then JD comes in and he calls the cops. He calls 911 because they're fighting and yeah. So they're children. Yeah, they're children. On the property. And that's not nice. Um, and thus their like really intense feud begins. Like they have just out there for everyone to know it ire for each other. They yeah. hate each other. And only f- they scream at each other. Yeah. They bite. And only four months later, that's when Robin is found dead. And immediately JD was questioned, but everyone thought it was Katie. And you look at the detectives now, are, we're, we're diving into sort of their detective work and we're looking at the, the first thing they do, because everybody knew about the um, fight and it was on the record and everything. They look at Katie's um, text messages and it's so slanderous. It's like, oh, I mean, it seems like she would want to kill her. And she's, you know, talking to JD and she's like, that bitch better be gone or so, who knows, you know. Right. And doesn't she kind of, or maybe I'm jumping the gun. You go. You no, go. maybe. I don't know. Story. But so they obtain an, a warrant for JD and Katie's home searching for any evidence that might be relevant. Um, so as I was, as I mentioned, you know, Robin was also shot in the head and <laughs> they uncovered a lot of guns in the home and not just it's, like it's in she Texas. was obsessed. You know, I guess. Is that the thing? They were showing some pictures from her um, Instagram and I'm like. Uh, this this girl's crazy. She's like every picture's with a gun, and one in particular is this. Um, it's like a pink has a pink polymer on it, so it's like her gun. It's my gun. It's her, yeah, it's a pink gun it's that girl she's gun. It, all over social media, like posing with, like aiming it at people. Like, mm-hmm. and then they find that the gun has is broken. So, um, and then also the back, and of, it was the same caliber, right? It was the like same the, caliber, the caliber as the slug the or bullet. whatever. Yeah, that was in that they retrieved from her head. Um, and they also so Robin's car also had like pink, uh, like bits on it. Uh, you know, like sort of like oh right, it yeah. looked like somebody had um like maybe banged on the window with the gun, yeah, or something, but. On the car window, Robin's car window, there are like little flecks of pink polymer. Polymer, yeah. And which is what the gun was made out of. And so the detectives decide, you know what? I'm going to go back to the crime scene. And if we can find this broken piece of a gun, then hey, maybe that's we our person. Yeah. And guess what? They did. And then they were like, we found the murder weapon. <laughs> and all things point to Miss Katie. That's right. And I wanted to say, too, that for the text messages that they found on her phone, it wasn't just that she was saying, like, really mean things about Robin. But we've left out a crucial detail, which um, is that, like, Robin is still in JD's life very much. And um, they seem to have kind of, like, reconciled a little bit and maybe are... um, are doing some stuff, you know, on the side, uh, much like Katie did when he was Robin's husband. But she says, like, you've destroyed our happiness. Like, you've just taken away, you know, and I'm going to, you've, like, started this terrible mess, but I'm going to finish it. That's right. And that was, like, sent on the day that Robin was murdered. And so police have zeroed in on Katie Phipps, a woman who has a volatile, like, hatred uh, for this murder victim, Robin, and um, as far as they can see, motive and now is the proud owner of a pink gun that was 100 percent used to kill Robin. So Katie is brought in and questioned by the police. Um, she insists that she had nothing to do with it. And while they are continuing their investigation, they don't have enough at this point, which this whole time I watched this one. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, how is it not enough yet? Like, right. And not just with Katie, with like everything that they do. I'm like, why do you, why more? Like, I guess you want to be real careful about technicalities. But so while they're continuing to build their investigation against her, Katie is free to go home after her first um, interview with police. And 36 hours after being interviewed by police for the first time, 911 dispatchers get a call. And it's Katie Phipps calling 911. And what she says is, my name is Katie Phipps. 
Phipps, I am a suspect in a murder investigation. I need you to send a deputy to my house. I'm very afraid. And as she's like on the phone saying, I need you to send police over, there's like a boop, boop, boop on the door. And it's cops who apparently have now found enough. And they have an arrest warrant. And they arrest her for the murder of Robin. And she's trying to explain to them like why she called 911. We're not going to find out for a long time why she was calling 911. Because they're basically like, unless you're going to tell us that you called to confess, we're not really interested in what you have to say. So Katie is now um, under arrest and she's questioned again, again, insisting that she did not do this. And she tells police, like, I will help you solve this homicide. And um, the asshole, what's a what's a D word for asshole? The dickhead detective (laughs) tells her that the only way that she can help them solve the homicide is to tell the truth. And that if she does that. That truth is not going to set her free because as far as he's concerned, he knows she did it. So unless she just confesses, there is no way she can help them with this investigation. Katie then offers to take a polygraph. She fails. She then demands a second one. They bring in a whole new um, person to, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but you know, administer to give her, her another administer, one. Yeah, that's it. And again, she fails. However, it's important to note that polygraphs are not admissible in court for exactly. a reason. They're unreliable. They're not, it's not science. It's really more a mechanism of, we've talked about Vanya, to kind of gauge the person mm-hmm. who's taking it. Gauge like, are they nervous? Are they fidgety? Do they look like they're going to vomit? You know, like, it's not really about the results. Right. It's about the before, the during, and Well, and that's the where, I think they should have like listened because she wanted to take it so bad. You know, she was I like, know. let me take, like, promise, let me take it. I mean, and if they're not idiots, they should know you're just, her high levels in, of adrenaline and anxiety, regardless, is going to, she's not going to pass that poly- polygraph test anyways. Yeah. And when you're, yeah, when you're stressed out, you're like, blood pressure's all over the place. Anyway, Katie is adamant that she is innocent, but the police just aren't hearing it. They're like, no, we literally know that you did this. We found the gun. It's your gun. It's definitely the murder weapon. We know you don't like her. We know you have motive because ba 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 ba. Police have now discovered that JD and Robin were definitely having an affair, yeah. and had been for months. And police also say the further proof that they have that Katie is responsible is that she had not just motive but opportunity. Right. So we always got to find like motive and right. opportunity. Right. The reason why you would do it, and then the way that you were able to do it. Yep. So police say that on the night of Robin's murder. That Katie and her son were at Katie's best friend Savannah's home pretty much all afternoon and evening until around per Savannah. She was like, I don't know, like 9.50, 10. Um, and a witness said that he saw Katie and her son pull into the driveway of their home yep. at 10.20 p.m. So saying that if she had left at 9.50 from Savannah's and returned home at 10.20, that she definitely had enough time to bypass her home, drive over to Helium Road, the dirt road where Robin was murdered, shoot her in the head, and then get home by 1020. But see, here's the thing, guys. If that is what happened, that means she took her kid with her. Right. Yes, I don't that think That means she so. was like, hey, honey, you sit here. Mommy's going to go shoot that, <laughs> mean, that mean girl Robin I just don't like. So anyway, police are like, this woman's crazy and she would do it. So of course she would do it with her son there. Yeah. So now her son is brought in and the um, dumb, dumb DA is like, we are very careful when questioning kids. You know, we're not trying to like make him feel guilty, but we're trying to do psychological tricks to get him to admit that he saw his mother do this. And already I'm like, so you're trying to manipulate a child into giving you the answer that you want. I do not like the people who uh, ran this investigation. So he is interviewed three times. And his story never varies. He and his mom were at Savannah's house. Then they got in the car to leave. He fired up his phone to play a video game. They dro- And they drove straight home. There's no stopping. It was a short, quick ride. Meanwhile, um, police obtain all of the contents from Robin's cell phone, hoping to find more incriminating evidence to implicate Katie. But instead, they find text messages between Robin and J.D., Katie's mm-hmm. husband, Robin's ex-husband, that basically say that the two had plans the night of the murder to get together around 9.30 p.m., which is around the window of the murder. Mm-hmm. Police then asked J.D. if he had plans to see Robin that night, and he says no. Catching him in this lie, they decide they need to dig deeper into J.D. and how all of this this lie, this meetup that they had, how this fits into the to the case, or the sorry, to the um 
evidence that Katie murdered Robin. Right. Already I'm like, what do you mean? You have to figure out how this fits into how Katie did it. But <clears throat> I digress. <laughs> um, and then when confronted by police about lying to them, because they have the text messages, he says, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, JD, this is, I lied. Um, Robin was supposed to come over to my place uh, because Katie was going to be over at her friend Savannah's house. And when police ask, well, then why did you delete those text messages before lying to us about your plans? He says, well, I only deleted um, any messages that would upset my wife if she were to find them. And that's why I deleted them. But police aren't really buying this story because they have cell phone tower evidence, i.e. his cell phone is like pinging off of towers mm -hmm. between 920 and 930 that show that he is not at home, like he said he was, but that on um, I-40, so Interstate 40, which is the um, highway that leads directly to Helium Road. So police bring J.D. in for a third interview, and again, he changes his story. And this time, he has a story about how he was supposed to meet Robin out on Helium Road, but he didn't end up going because Katie found out about it and was so pissed off. So he was like, I promise, I, we were supposed to meet up out there, but I didn't go. We got, I got in a fight with my wife. I decided to just go upstairs and go to bed. I was sleeping. I swear I was sleeping. And as far as he knew, his phone was home on the charger. And he suggests, you know, Katie took his phone and his truck and did whatever she did. That's mm. what he says. Police try to get J.D. to admit that he was there. That his story is a lie. He was there when Robin was killed. That he had met her at 34 Helium Road. And while they were having their little tryst, Katie showed up and killed her. That's like, no, but you weren't sleeping. You were there and you witnessed your wife murder your ex-wife. And J.D.'s like, I was not there. A week later, <clears throat> <laughs> J.D. is brought in for a fourth time. Now, as I'm writing my notes that I'm reading to you guys, after I wrote that, a week later, J.D. is brought in a fourth time. I did a little asterisk. And I was like, sidebar. Why the hell isn't J.D. a suspect? Police just think he's protecting Katie when he's clearly guilty of something. Like, nobody lies, changes their story. Yeah. Said, you know, like so clearly is steering police being like, I was me. If my phone was there, it's because my wife took my phone. I, can't I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> and they're like, man, that wife of yours. But be honest, you were there. You saw her pull the trigger because we need that. Right. Because you would never right touch a pink gun. No, you would never, ever deign to shoot someone with a pink gun. But in this fourth interview, J.D. again changes his story. And this time he basically regurgitates the story that police had laid out for him in his third interview about how he witnessed the killing. But he kind of like changes it a little. He says that he did meet Robin and that they were in the backseat of her car when a white car pulled up behind them. And I was like, oh, then I wrote in my notes just saying this is the same story the police told him to say. Right. Um, he says someone knocked on the window, so he opened the door. He thought maybe it was like a, a cop or like a state trooper being like, hey, you kids, you knock it off out here. But instead, <laughs> it's Katie. And um, so it's Katie knocking on that window and she and Robin start screaming at each other. And, you know, the super awesome stand up dude that J.D. is tells police that he just got out of the car and was like, you, you, you ladies, you can deal with this. This is just crazy. <laughs> and he got in his car, turned it on, turned it around to go back out the road. He tells police he saw Katie walking back to her car. So he then just drove off and went home. He then tells police Katie didn't get home until 15 minutes after he did, even though he thought that she'd be right behind him because he saw her walking to his car. So after this fourth story, this fourth version of events, police decide, you know what? JD's totally telling us the truth. It's totally telling us the truth. Katie is guilty. And now we have her husband to testify to that fact. So cut to me rolling my eyes so hard I gave myself a minor headache. And then Maria Elena <laughs> Salinas... Also, they cut to her. So I literally was like, my head was exploding with right. the incompetence. Um, but then they cut to Maria Elena Salinas, who also thinks the detectives are fucking morons. And she even <laughs> says, she says in this moment, to an outside observer, it seems odd that you'd believe the guy who changed his story four times to fit into the narrative that you had laid out for him. And I was like, mm. and then dumb, dumb yes. D.A. James Farron says that to him, it just really seemed like J.D. was trying to protect his wife because he loved her so much. But he was certain of Katie's guilt. And then there's the super burn from Maria Elena when she asks <laughs> the D.A., the dumb, so dumb D.A. I know. So when police are giving you the details of their investigation, are you just looking at the conclusion the police have come to? Or do you actually look? at all of the evidence that they have provided 
and come to your own conclusion. And then I wrote in all caps, a snap. Like, yeah. she was literally like, did you just take their word for it? They were like, she's totally guilty. Or did you bother to look at the, any of the evidence that I you mean, had? That he definitely that got maybe... caught cheating or mm. being lazy. Yeah. It was awesome to watch. So in September of 2015, so this is about, let's see, April, May, June, July, August, like five months after Robin's murder, um, Katie is formally indicted with the murder of Robin. And she has, but she doesn't have any clue that her entire case rests on the testimony of her bastard husband, J.D. Spielbauer. So while toiling away in jail for six months awaiting trial, Katie's husband, J.D., has filed for divorce and is now living with a local roller derby skater whom he described to friends as Katie and Robin rolled into one woman without all the drama. This uh. is like Wallace. Wallace, six, only six months after his ex-wife has been murdered and while his current soon-to-be ex-wife is in prison for said murder and he's living with a lady and talking shit on those two other ladies and man, this man just is the worst. Sucks. He sucks. Yes. All right. So now we move to um, April 29th of 2015, which is a little over a year after Robin's murder, when everything changes. Mm. That's why I love ID Discovery. Bring it home. And they're like, (laughs) everything changes. So Detective Redden, who we hadn't, I don't, I mean, he maybe popped up in the show, but he's one of the detectives on the case, comes into his office and um, a bunch of the, you know, Girls at the front desk in his office are so excited and they're like, did you see the show last night? And meanwhile, I'm literally like, what show are we talking about? Like, wait, <laughs> clarify, was it a Dateline episode 2020, like Forensic Files? I bet what it was. The hell show? <laughs> but he literally just says, they asked me if I'd seen the show last night. And I was like, what show? Anyway, if anyone knows what show, please let me know. I'm dying to know. And the, sh- the, the show that was about tracking cell phones because it turns out, folks, If you have a Gmail account on your cell phone, every 60 seconds, it sends your location to Google. Every 60 seconds. Unless, of course, you have turned your Wi-Fi off. So if you don't want Google to ping every 60 seconds where you are, turn your Wi-Fi off, I guess. I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but they dumped it down for us watching this show. So then the dum-dum DA James Farron was super stoked about this advanced technology because cell phone towers, which are what they'd been using, they're a little less, um, you know, they're just further away. It's like right, a like not as accurate. Where a person can be. It's not accurate. But this, he believes, will be the smoking gun that he needed to guarantee conviction for Katie. But um, it's a big bummer for him, you guys. And we feel so bad for him. It's so sad. Turns out Katie, JD, and Robin, not a one of them had their Wi-Fi on their phones that evening. So he's like, oh, shoot. Yeah. And then I said, but in a rare moment of intelligent policing, <laughs> yeah. the cops remember in their, that they had interviewed Katie's son several times, and then he said that he had been playing a video game on his phone on the drive home. So they decide to see if perhaps his Wi-Fi was on. So police check Katie's son's phone and shocker, you guys, in case you didn't see this coming a mile away, it proves that Katie was nowhere near Helium Road that night. And the spoking gun that they were so stoked about, like just nailing her coffin, is actually what exonerates her. Right. She's cleared. It's crazy. She's cleared. I'm also like, everyone keep your Wi-Fi on. What if you get yeah, keep your kidnapped? Wife on. I don't so know. If, or if you get like falsely accused of murder. Yeah. So and recalling this blunder, this like tunnel vision, this absolute certainty mm-hmm. in the guilt of this woman that now is like it. There is no way to to do anything other than let her go because it is so clear that you have got the wrong person. It is proof in the Wi-Fi. OK, it's crazy. Um, this recalling this <laughs> whole thing does make uh, Dum Dum Da cry. He cries in front of Maria Elena, who yeah. I feel is like I I like feed off your tears. Yeah, competent piece of shit. So Katie is then released after being in jail for four hundred and sixty seven days. Crazy. So well over a year. Um, after learning she's being released, she is obviously quite emotional. She kind of breaks down. I'm sure the DA, like the dumb DA, cried with her and was like, "I'm so sorry." Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, she finally gets like her composure back, and she tells, she gets the chance to finally tell police the story that she had been trying to tell them on April 10th, 2014, just three days after Robin had been murdered. 
Kate, the story is this. Katie and JD had gotten into a physical altercation when Katie asked JD what he had done, and he grabbed her by the neck, threw her up against a wall, and said, I took care of the problem. It's done. It's over. So y'all, in case you remember or were wondering, that's why Katie had called 911 that day, because her husband had as much as confessed to murdering Robin. Yeah. And Maria Elena, as what I wrote down in my notes, is shocked and pissed. You guys, she's so mad. Like, the look on her face. She's just literally like, I can't even believe I have to talk to people this stupid. That is the look on her face. That is the look on her face. I don't know how I'm in a room with someone this stupid. So police decide, after having to release the one and only person who could have possibly done it, that they're going to have to go back over the case and really, (laughs) and I mean really, for real guys this time, look at all of the evidence Mm -hmm. they've collected. And you guys, it turns out that they have, as the show said it, a mount, um, like a mountain's worth of evidence. I wrote they have a Mount Everest, Mount Everest, like the biggest (laughs) mountain, the highest mountains worth of, of evidence against J.D. And the evidence that sticks out the most, the most damning evidence they have is a video surveillance tape. That shows Robin's car turning onto Helium Road at 9.24 p.m. the night of her murder. And then shows J.D.'s car turning onto Helium Road at 9.27 p.m. that same evening. Katie's car never appears in the surveillance video because, yes, we already know this, but she was not there. She was not there. Um, Police acquired this video just to just really rub it in the salt and the wounds um police acquired this video within the first two weeks of the investigation that's so and then exciting. i started throwing things at my television where i was like wait a minute you guys have had this since like within two weeks of the murder and now 467 yeah. days later this woman's finally released but you always had this video footage and i said i started throwing things at my tv mm-hmm. and then i wrote maria elena also wants to throw things right now at yeah. this man's face so dum dum da says Yes, this evidence was ignored, but you have to understand, this isn't the kind of evidence that jumps right out at you. You mean a video that shows the woman who died and the man who was meeting her on the road she died on? That's, that doesn't jump out at you? Sorry, that's my opinion. No one said that on the I show. I agree. Um, but this isn't the kind of evidence that just jumps right out at you. It's only after you sift through everything many times. And Maria Elena cuts him off right there. I love this woman. I know, me too. She's awesome. She cuts him off. He doesn't even finish it. She's like, everything, many times. She goes, isn't that what detectives are supposed to do? Sift through the information and evidence several times? And um, he looks very embarrassed and ashamed of himself, which he does many times, basically from the moment he admits that they were wrong through the end. So meanwhile, Katie is now released, right? But life is no picnic for her because she is in fear for her life. Because... She believes, based on an, in, an incident that happened where she was driving down the road and J.D. was coming down the other way and he, like, stopped and, like, stared at her and kind of, like, pointed at her. She feared that he was he was going to hurt her to prevent her from testifying against him. Um, and then they, we, right before we cut to commercial, they're like, can the dumb-dumb D.A. get a case against J.D. together before um, before their star witness is no longer available to testify? Mm. And I was like, he, they better. Good God. And I wrote, for some reason, they can't arrest J.D. until they figure out his motive right. for killing I'm Robin. I'm like, how much? What? Uh, does that make sense is, to you? Can you see what I wrote here? I don't get it. Is that what you? I, I don't get this. Me, I, I don't like, get that video, either. You have um, witness testimony. You have, he's, it's an ex-wife. Anytime there's like a relationship, exactly. a family relationship, a love affair or whatever. That's the all the motive, that's motive. you need. It's the people that are closest to you is what they say. <sighs> Okay, but they don't have his motive, so they just can't arrest him and ensure Katie isn't off Ugh. like Robin was. Anyway, after she, I mean, never mind. I guess they need so more women on the force. They need more women on the force because I don't want to mm-hmm. talk, um, you know, shit on men. And they need more women DAs. Yeah, they need more women DAs. And just they like need investigative, women to deal with like, these things. And I mean, Paul Holes is a great investigate de- detective yada yada and there are many out there that are men, but I'm just saying women do not let details pass. Like they wouldn't mm-hmm. have. I don't think a, I. In gen, I'm gonna generally speak because obviously there'll be one or two, but like they wouldn't let that video pass. Sorry, keep going. But also, right. or it, they would, they would just arrest the guy if they believed their star witness's life was in danger. Exactly, and figure out a way to make it work. So, <laughs> you guys, they do eventually come up with motive, which is that it turns out Robin was actually going to offend, uh, offend. She was going to end her affair. Yeah, 
which could be a fend. End her affair with JD. And not only was she going to so she was going to stop having little fun trysts with him, but she was going to go after him for all of the unpaid child support and she was going to go after him hard. She had even met someone new that she felt like there was a promising future with and she wanted to fully cut JD out of her mm-hmm. life, but she also wanted her kids to be well taken care of. So she was going to come. She was coming for him. And um, the motive for JD is that he decides, you know, his life is now, it's not easy. It's not all love affairs, love triangles, and, you know, just being the innocent, poor, polite schmuck who is whoever you need him to be in the moment, you know, guy. Everything's coming undone. His ex-wife isn't going to sleep with him anymore. His current wife is probably not going to sleep with him anymore. Mm. And now he's going to owe all this money. And so he decides to get rid of two birds with one stone by framing Katie for Robin's murder. So... On April 20th of 2016, so that's a little after, only a little over two years after Robin's murder, J.D. is finally arrested and charged um, with her killing. Katie does testify, and while in court testifying, Dum Dum D.A. does publicly apologize in front of the jury and everybody there and for the news crews, for the news crews, the news (laughs) Cruise. People, the news crews, <laughs> the media. Yeah, that's what it is. That sounded so weird. The media um, <laughs> publicly apologizes to her for their horrible, unforgivable mistake. The trial lasts six days, and at the end of it, takes a couple of hours, and the jury finds JD guilty, and he is sentenced to life in prison. Okay, so they got the bad guy. Yeah, but it's just the most maddening thing. But here's what I like about Maria Elena's show. Yes, tell me what we learn. After we know that the one who deserves to be in prison is going to be in prison and will be there for the rest of her li- of his life, we now get to know Ugh, about this is what I where love. Katie's at. Yes. So motivated by what happened to her, Katie Phipps is now finishing her undergrad degree and is planning to apply to law school because she's coming for your job, dumb dumb dumb. I hope she is. She's not, but she should be. Yeah, really. If you're listening, Katie Phipps, you replace that man as soon as you get your law degree or you pass the bar or whatever it is. That's (laughs) not how that works. Um, And um, the Dum Dum DA did say that Katie had asked him if he will write her like law school recommendation letters when the time comes for her to apply. And then I said, you should fucking pay her tuition. Don't write her a letter. Put her through law school, asshole. And um, then it ends with Maria Elena Selena saying... Tunnel vision affects police departments and district attorney's Mm. offices across this country all the time, where from the onset of an investigation, they zero in on who they truly believe is the suspect. And it it becomes impossible for them to imagine that anyone else could be guilty. So they don't look. That sucks. That sucks. And in this case, I mean, not only do they not. They they didn't even look at the evidence they had because the killer yeah. was directly linked to the woman they were convinced was guilty and it was all right in front of them. Yeah. They just wanted to frame it up in a way that made her guilty and him innocent. Yeah. And that was the end of the show. Um, and I was so angry. <laughs> and I think I was like kind of sweating because I was like, this is like, I don't have um, a law degree. I have never gone to the police academy or any of that, but I could do a better job than these people do right. on I'm, handling this investigation. Even like one one thing I wrote down is like, why didn't anybody, any of the detectives like Columbo, Matt Locke, Jessica Fletcher, anybody like, why didn't anybody interview family members or her best friend to find out that she was having, she was seeing other people like her best friend would have right. probably, I mean, her best friend knew she was having an affair with the, uh, with, JD, yeah. like they and could then have gotten that information. How she was going to end it? Yes, yeah. like that. That's important information, an and that she was going to leave him. And also, I think it's interesting because they do kind of make it seem like not only did the police and then the DA think Katie was guilty immediately and refused to look elsewhere, so did all of her family and friends because of the prior relationship. So I think yeah. that maybe that didn't help. Um, That's true. The police along because they were like it wouldn't the person that it makes the most sense is not polite, mild mannered J.D. It's his wife who gets into physical brawls right. with Robin every time she comes to pick up her kids. Yeah. Which is why was why J.D. knew he could frame her. But exactly. But still, the, the co- detective should have interviewed somebody. I don't know. But I'm with you on or that. Or just dug deeper. So that's like. Or looked at the video surveillance. Yeah, I, it just. Uh, it makes. You know what? Whenever I think of like Mount Everest piles of. um you know, evidence. evidence. I I think of the part because I'm always going to come back to this, but I'll be gone in the dark when she takes all of the, you know, boxes, boxes and locker. goes through everything of for the Golden State Killer. It's just fascinating. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but you, you guys. have to do that, and you have to do it over and over again. Check out her show on ID. Just when you go to your ID or whatever, I guess, just type in Maria Elena Salinas. It's called The Real Story with Marina Maria Elena Salinas. And it's just so rad. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. I, yes. I, I love this. I mean, I hate that Robin died. I love that Marina Elena um, gave the family a chance to like, you know, sort of each in the beginning and in the end, it had little moments of like memorialism. Is a mish. Yeah, let the, let the family really get to honor mm-hmm. who their daughter Which made was. me feel um, good because, you know, I'm the rom here in this situation. So I'm like... Right. And also that's so important yes, for closure. Absolutely. Is to get to not only the answers, but then to get to to speak to the purpose yeah. and validity of the life that your loved one exactly. led. You know, and how important that is. Yeah. And then also just, I love how she's sticking it to I know. the stupid And it sh- she should because you know what this is really and about? This is... Two daughters, two girls lost their mom. And yeah. and it's not the DA's fault, but like, that's what this is about. That's the saddest right. and the, thing. And, a, and another son almost lost his mom yeah. because of their mistake. And JD and, is an um, asshole. What a jerk. Yeah, and I'm so glad that she made the DA cry. It was I know. Moment. It was pretty I'm intense, guys. I'm an evil person, apparently. No, <laughs> no. I think, you know what? It just shows that he knew he was wrong. And he had he even said, he goes, sometimes... Or he says, when we make mistakes, when police make mistakes, innocent people pay the price. And, you know, the price is often high. massive. And that's why he did cry, because he did feel guilty. Yeah. He was like, we don't, it's never our intention to do this. But I, I mean, mean, I'm just going to say, work on your too. tunnel vision. I'd cry every night. <laughs> we love you guys. Thank, Thank you for joining you. us. We'll talk to you next week Bye. or two weeks. Bye. criminals we just want to take a moment and say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of rum crime if you would like please uh, follow us on instagram at rom crime twitter and facebook you can also dm us with any questions or ideas we love to chat yalla bye bye Tell a friend.